The gospel is really, real short. But I would like to just stay focused on the entire gift of those words of the Spirit drove him out into the desert. The Spirit drove him out into the desert. Reminds me of the the end of the, the Our Father where lead us not into temptation, but sometimes the Spirit drives us into a place that is seemed so desolate, so far, so impossible to get through unless we have God. So I'd like to tell three stories of desolation, of lands of desolate, of places where it just seemed we could not get through, but it turns us around and it makes us see that God is right there beside us. Probably one of the most desolate places I have ever seen was in the year 2006. It was a year after Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. And part of the novitiate of the, when I was with the Jesuits was that we, a whole group of us, about 15 of us, went down to New Orleans to help uh, in the rebuilding. I can remember that when we arrived into New Orleans, again, the, the Katrina, Hurricane Katrina has come through, and the levees had been broken and, and caused so much damage, almost 2,000 people died in that uh, hurricane. But after the hurricane, from all the damage. We went to this one section where the disaster had been the the biggest impact, and we drove in a straight line for seven miles, seven miles straight. On our right, as we were driving, were the houses for seven miles, and they had X's all over the houses, condemned And the watermark was about eight feet up. And you could see the line of the watermark on the houses. Everything was destroyed in the sense of you couldn't go into the houses. Everything was rotten. And on the front, on the outside of the streets were refrigerators, what they later called a whole new meaning of white trash, that because you couldn't go back into the houses for a month or two longer, um, if you left a, a carton of milk in the fridge, The entire rottenness of the milk ruined the entire appliance. So you saw these refrigerators and white appliances and all on the outside of the street, destroyed. Seven miles, houses destroyed. Seven miles, watermark, X's condemned. Never seen anything like that. Just to the movement of the spirit, it was like this desert of destruction. We spent the next month uh, repairing buildings, uh, fixing things up, painting, knocking them down, and just putting out the trash. Still remember one street where there was a driving street where there was still a boat in the middle of the street a year later. A year later. The deserts that happens to us in our lives. That peel away so many things and just says, Lord, what are you doing here? What are you doing in my life? And yet the Lord does not leave that place. The spirit that even sometimes drives us into seeing causes us to change. What happened in New Orleans was thousands and thousands of volunteers went to that city over the upcoming years to rebuild it. 
coming from all parts of the country and even across the border from Mexico, coming to just rebuild and to help out people. So even in the middle of the desert, through the hands of so many volunteers, God was there. When we thought so much destruction, miles and miles of it, hands painting, fixing, picking up, cleaning, saying, how are you? Seeing something much, much greater. Another story. Sometimes there's a desolation of the heart that happens because of tragedies or traumas that we might not have had any power over to control. I was uh, flying into uh, Ebay Island in the Marshalls in the South Pacific as part of my work to check in on our lay missionaries that were working there. I flew into the Kwajalein military base, and then you take this air taxi. It takes about 20 minutes to take the air taxi over to Ebay, which is in the South Pacific, one of the poorest areas. About half a square mile and 10,000 people are crammed like sardines on this island. So we helped the high school there with our lay missionaries, lay mission helpers and mission doctors. So when I flew in and I took the hovercraft over to the island, I was greeted by one of our lay missionaries, Tina. And as I just got off of the little boat, and Tina said to me, Father Dave, um, uh, can you talk to this missionary who's here, lay missionary? He's not part of our group. He's from Australia. But something terrible has happened. And he said, what happened? I'm sure I'll talk to him. What is it? And Tina said, um, he's been here for a year and he's been working and he drives this truck with supplies and stuff for the people in the town area. And as he was driving this big pickup truck, one of the kids hung onto the back while he was riding a bicycle with his little sister on the handlebars. And as they came around a turn, the brother on the bike, controlling the bike, lost control. And his little sister fell under the truck and was crushed and killed. And the missionary who was driving the car is desolate. Desolate. I said, wow, yeah, I'll talk to him. And so um, Bill and I met. He was still crying. These were days later. He said to me that he had walked over to the family to try to just convey condolences and sorrow. And everyone knew nothing was, he never intended it, none of that. But the family could not come out uh, culturally to greet him because the pain was so great. So he had to just wait outside, separate, desolate. But over the next year in that space, bit by bit in this barrenness, Tina and Bill would talk, go for walks. And day in, day out, They continued their work as missionaries, one from Australia, one from the United States. And the people saw their goodness and their desire. And the wound was healed, and even more so, the wounds within their own hearts. And they became and fell in love and got married. 
They now live in Australia, doing work and supporting others. But that terrible desert of desolation, of a crushing, of horrible, nothing that you would ever want. Even in that terrible place, God stepped in and brought healing to hearts and did things beyond anything that we could understand. We don't always understand the meaning of the desolate place, how it detaches us and pulls us. Sometimes we feel apart. But something great sometimes can happen in the midst of that place that seems so long, like seven miles, and we don't understand what the Lord is doing here. Not that he caused the desolation, but that he can step into it with us in our wounds and bring something holy, like stepping into the middle of the cross and bring something holy. The second reading today from Peter has this one little line that sounds so bizarre. Jesus dies on the cross, and then he goes and preaches to the prisoners. What does that say? In the Eastern Orthodox tradition, there are many times these icons that they paint of in the tomb, Jesus Christ goes, and the tomb is broken open like this as a door opens up. And it shows Jesus Christ going to the place of the burial of Sheol, the land of the dead. And Jesus reaches out and pulls up Adam and Eve and all those that went before him. They say that he preached to the dead, the land of the boat of Sheol, the land of change, of purgation. We call it purgatory sometimes. We don't know what it is, how time exists. But that Christ, even in the mystery of the cross, breaks through and pulls all of humanity together. It's a beautiful icon that no one has forgotten. We wait and wait for this God who calls our name and pulls us through our deserts into his embrace. The pandemic right now might feel like an awful big desert, but it could be that the Spirit has driven us into this place also to free us from our attachments, from our fears and our anxieties, and to be with God. The Ignatian spirituality in their second week, uh, first week of the rules, there's uh, rule number nine that talks about why desolation happens to us. There's three that Ignatius gives, and then the spiritual master, John Veltri, adds two based on those three. I'd like to just say sometimes why we go into this desert, this desolation, whether as individuals or as a community, as a world. The first reason Ignatius says for this desolate place of the desert we might find ourselves in, it could be just simply we've become attached to sin or we become lazy. And God, we're just indifferent to God. We go into the desert place so that it shakes us up to let go of the things that lead us flat. That's one reason out of the five. But the other reasons sometimes are even more powerful. Sometimes we go into a desert, a desolation, because God is teaching us how to fight. That everything is not just sweet and comfortable. That we need to sometimes struggle 
you know, for, in order for justice to be done, for good to be recognized. That we're not just comfortably in a place where we're blind to what's going on around us or going on in our own lives. So sometimes we have to learn how to box and we get banged up when we're boxing, learning how to fight spiritually, not with weapons of violence, but the armor, armor of, of peace, of care, of not letting go of our anger that destroys, but learning gentleness. That's a really boxing, boxing that changes lives. The third reason that Ignatius gives in this desolate place is to teach us humility so that we're not so pompous that I did this all on my own. That everything is a gift from God. And I place my whole life in your hands, Lord. Its successes or its failures, I give it all to you. And humbly, I recognize the truth of myself before you, God. So whether it's sin or it's learning the box or it's humility, John Veltri would add on to the ideas of Ignatius and said, sometimes we go into a desolation, a desert place, because we've got these chains around us that keep us from flying. We become attached to something, someone, a situation, our security. And God puts us into the desolate to break open the chains so that we can see, I can't fly. I can't fly. Attachments, tendencies. When I get angry, do I just explode here? Or is it an attachment that just keeps me locked up and afraid? So the desert can be a place to say, (laughs) I've got a few chains here. And God says, I want to break those chains. The last reason, building on Ignatius, that John Veltry gives is, sometimes God calls us in a new way to do something, and we just, no, 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 no. We resist. We say, No, 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 I can't talk in front of people. I can't speak about this situation. We resist God when he asks us to do something, to speak out when we see something, and not to be silent. So all these things can lead us into a desolate land. But with God, the desert can bloom. With God, We can see even that in the space of time and change and stretching and being detached, he's leading us to freedom. So before desolation or those moments in our heart or in our world around us, Ignatius says, first of all, don't make any big decisions when you're in desolation. Wait for the moment that you recall the voice of God, his consolation, his presence. Take on deepening of your prayer. Take on penances and sacrifices so it frees us from our attachments. And remember the consolations that God has always been faithful. Because in desolation we can forget and it seems like the desert goes on forever. It does not. God is with us. It comes to an end. And he fills us with the resurrection. So my friends, the Lord might drive us out by the Spirit into the desert. 
but it's always to bring the good, to help us to see, to help us to be freer, and to be filled with his resurrection life. It changes us and changes our world. Lord, take away our fear. Let us go with you into whatever the desert might be, into the desert, the song said at the beginning, our opening song, so that we can be transformed and be filled with this Christ, this God of love. Amen.